Welcome to a new episode of Money Matters, focusing in on what the Bible says about finances because, after all, Jesus talked more about resources than any other topic during his entire ministry. Resources are his gift to us intended to fund and to fuel our lives and his kingdom. And he wants to abundantly bless them so that they can make a bigger impact on both. And he will, even more so, as we align our lives to those biblical principles found in the Word of God. So let's dive into today's topic entitled, Jesus Wasn't As Poor As You Might Think. Now recently I heard someone make the statement, if we were all just poor like Jesus, we'd be a lot better off. And I thought, poor like Jesus? Hmm, that's not the first time I've heard a statement like that. There seems to be this undercurrent in and out of church that portrays Jesus as a homeless beggar traveling from one soup kitchen to the next. Honestly, I believe this narrative was created by the devil himself to make Christians feel guilty for what they have, make them feel ashamed to pursue even more, and stop them from striving for greater positions of influence and affluence in their world. After all, if Jesus was poor and we're going to follow after him, shouldn't we be poor also? Well, yes, scripture does say in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. But that does not mean that Jesus walked around in a potato sack and borrowed sandals. Words like rich and poor are relative. And relatively speaking, Jesus did become poor when he came to earth in comparison to his previous standing in heaven. But that doesn't mean he was poor in comparison to other people on earth. To back this up, let me point out a few things about Jesus' life that will help you better see his financial status. And in the process, I believe will free you up to live at peace with your resources and give you confidence to pursue even more. First, as an infant, Jesus was presented with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These gifts were given by wealthy ambassadors from a foreign kingdom who were honoring a newly born neighbor king. And as such, these weren't little pouches filled with a few shavings of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These gifts were assembled by a wealthy nation, transported by a caravan big enough to get King Herod's attention. These were significant gifts. What happened to those gifts after the Magi went back home? Were they left behind or given to the local food bank? Actually, I don't think so. Jesus' parents kept and used these gifts for their travel as they moved around and eventually for their family and for their business. Next, Jesus grew up in Israel, which was not a third world country ever, and especially not during the Roman occupation when he was born. Rome was the richest of all kingdoms and nations that they conquered enjoyed the best of all social amenities known to mankind. Things like running water, commerce, trade with other nations, economic development and expansion, they were all common in Jesus' day. Next, Jesus' family likely owned a home. I realize he said foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. But Jesus was being metaphorical. He had a place to sleep. In fact, when the wise men arrived to give their gifts to Jesus, in Matthew 2, verse 11, it says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. This took place two years after the stable in the manger. Jesus was living in 
in a house. And while they moved several more times in those early years, we can assume that home ownership would have been continued. As a side note, Jewish tradition dictated that after Joseph passed away, Jesus, the eldest son, would have inherited his property, his home, his business, and the responsibility for caring for the family. Now later, after Joseph passed away and Jesus began his ministry, I believe that Mark chapter 2 speaks further to Jesus' home ownership. Verse 1 through 4 says, And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof from above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. I bet you didn't realize that the hole made in the roof to lower this paralytic was likely made in the roof of Jesus' house. Maybe they were comfortable doing that because they knew Jesus was a carpenter and he would know how to fix it. Also, Jesus was born into the home of a business owner and likely became one himself. He would have learned how to work hard to run a business with employees and even get paid. The Greek word for carpenter is tecton, and that word includes all forms of construction ranging from furniture to municipal buildings using materials like wood and stone and even fine jewels. And during Rome's occupation of Israel, the economy was strong and it was robust, and the demand for contractors would have been significant. A skilled tradesman like Joseph, like Jesus, would have been lucratively compensated. Lose the image of Jesus whittling children's toys and selling them on the side of the road for handouts because it's very unlikely that he did any of that. Also, don't forget, some of Jesus' clothes were high-end. In John chapter 19, verses 23 through 24, we read that after Jesus was crucified, the four soldiers present began dividing his possessions among themselves. In that pile was an expensive tunic, which is a large piece of fabric worn a lot like a cloak. Initially, the four soldiers considered tearing it into four equal pieces, but after looking closer, they decided not to because it was unusual in that it had no seam and it was made of a really high-end piece of fabric. They decided to gamble to see who would get the whole thing instead. Jesus wore clothes valuable enough that well-paid Roman soldiers wanted them after he was dead. Now finally, Jesus managed a large traveling ministry that required significant resources. For three and a half years, Jesus ran a mobile nonprofit ministry with 12 team members and their families. And as they traveled, they required transportation, food, lodging, just do the math. It took a lot of money, a lot. So much so that they had a dedicated financial manager on the team named Judas. Judas was crooked, and he regularly skimmed the money for his own use, and it's likely that no one even noticed because of the sheer volume of funds flowing in and out of their checking account. And where do you think Jesus got the money to fund his ministry? Some of it likely came from his own personal resources. And some probably came from some of his disciples, who were also business owners and marketplace influencers. A few of them were insanely wealthy. Matthew was a tax collector and Levi was a doctor, both very lucrative trades in their day. They probably contributed as well. 
and we know that many of the people that Jesus reached were wealthy and generous to his ministry. Check out Luke chapter 8 verses 1 through 3. There it says, Soon afterward he went on through the cities, villages proclaiming, and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Not to mention the fact that one of Jesus' closest friends named Lazarus and his family, they were so wealthy they had perfume bottles in their home worth a year's wages, 50, 60, $70,000. If their perfume was that expensive, what about their homes and their properties? I'm confident that they contributed to Jesus' ministry as well. So let's end this idea of Jesus being poor because the facts bear out that he was likely as affluent as any other upper middle class business owner. And as such, there's no reason to feel guilty for what you have. And there's nothing wrong with stretching to accomplish more, to build more, to invest more, because life functions on money and the kingdom of heaven relies on your generosity for those resources in order to expand. Living in poverty isn't a sign of spirituality. It's a sign that you're broke and broke is a hard place to thrive in and to influence from. Don't be afraid to build a bigger company that provides a larger service in the community. It also takes care of more employees. And then be more generous, serve others, meet needs, and enjoy the possessions you have, especially as they help to create great moments as you live your best life. Well, thanks for spending a few minutes with me today here on Money Matters. Let's stretch and take hold of all the good things that God has for us.